And welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom, and coming up on the show, we're going to talk about what it's like to be living in a hypersexualized world that we currently exist in. I mean, think about it. Everywhere you turn and look, something sexually or sexualized activity is going on, whether it's in advertisement, whether it's on TV, in the movies, video games, social media. It's pretty much everywhere, even from politics to religion to pop culture. And so that's what we're going to talk about. So as you listen, you might want to keep in the back of your mind that there could be some content that we talk about. Everything is... uh, PG rated, I guess you can say. I guess you have to have a certain level of honest conversation that involves some material that, you know, you just want to be aware of that's real, that's raw. Some testimony that we're going to be listening to from someone sharing their story. So just keep that in mind. But also it's an opportunity perhaps to maybe use this as a stepping stone to talk about other people, maybe young people about the hypersexualized world that we live in. Now, if you're an adult, you're a consenting adult doing legal activities, then maybe this isn't too much of a concern for you and maybe you don't really care. But if you're a parent or maybe if you're somebody who is dealing with younger people, maybe this is a conversation starter for you to be able to have and maybe take some of the stuff that we talk about here into that avenue. Because Living in a hypersexualized world, even a sexualized world, when you think about it, it affects everything. Whether you want it to or not, whether you believe it does or not, it's going to affect everything. It's going to affect our mind. It's going to affect our psyche, our mental health, who we are, how we look at the world, how we look at other people. And so through the lens of this show, which is bringing out our inner greatness, raising the standard, taking our passion, making it happen, trying to inspire, motivate us to be better. That's the lens that we're going to look at this uh, topic and discuss it. So again, some of you, you might be thinking that it's no big deal. Others might be a little bit closer to home, but we invite you to join us for the conversation and then also maybe take this and talk to other people about it. But think about it. Advertising. It's everywhere. Television. Nowadays, there's all kinds of channels and outlets from satellite television to internet television to your basic standard television channels. Maybe if you get the bunny ears and stick it on your TV. There's all kinds of online content. Movies, video games, all kinds of things. I think back to when I was growing up, it was the a time before the internet, so we did not have internet technology to just go to. No cell phones right there on our hip that we can bring out and bring up all kinds of images. Basically, what you had was you had magazines, all kinds of magazines. I'm just talking about magazines in general. You had television, and at the time, depending on what year it was, you had maybe five, six channels. And then Cable TV came in and maybe added some more to it, but you were limited as to how many TV channels you had. And then you had movies. Movies had basically three ratings, G, PG, and R, and anything PG and R could be susceptible to some sort of uh, sexualized world imagery. And so you're very limited. 
You know, if you wanted to engage in some sort of sexualized content, you had to actually leave the house and go someplace, whether it be a video store, a liquor store, or maybe some other type of establishment to engage in that. On television, there were viewing times for kids only where certain content wasn't allowed. There were obviously times that were considered after hours when I think pretty much anything went if you got the channels. And so there were parameters, I guess you could say, put in place. I don't know if you would call them safeguards, but parameters to kind of protect some of the younger generation or protect some of the more innocent-minded people. But if you looked hard enough and you wanted to find something, it would be easy to find. And so as the years go by, as technology gets invented, as technology increases, advances, now we have a whole slew of anything, and you can just bring it on your phone, on your computer in the house, in the bedroom, wherever it might be. The content on the uh, television, I don't think there really is any more day partying like there used to be. I think the uh, censorship has kind of gone away from the standpoint of viewer times and when you can advertise and promote content. And even the content that's being put out there is starting to be sexualized and catered towards the younger audience, the younger people. And so I think back to the cartoons, I mean, Scooby-Doo. I think Scooby-Doo, the biggest part of that was, it was almost like you're on an acid trip really watching it later on when it got to the uh, second season and so on. But there wasn't, you know, you had the the, the sexy girl, you had the kind of smart, nerdy girl. You know, and Daphne was probably the sex symbol of the time. And then you think about Josie and the Pussycats cartoon. And then maybe Fred Flintstone with Wilma and the scantily clad cave women that were running around. And at the time, I don't think we really thought anything of it. I mean, they were considered classic cartoons, right? The video games that we played, Atari 2600, or maybe the first Nintendo that came out, the graphics and things weren't capable of producing imagery like we see today and maybe the Grand Theft Autos or whatever else that might be out there. And, of course, the uh, ability to be able to produce content and to produce it in a manner that gets to the consumer a lot quicker. Like I said, you no longer have to leave the house. You can view it on your phone, on the Internet. You know, now you have PG, NC-17, PG-13. So you've got different ratings, but still the content is there. And so it affects you. You see it everywhere, no matter who you are, no matter how hard you try to Keep yourself out of it. You're going to see it. You're going to be exposed to it. You know, television, even the uh, shows that they're making today, the crime scenes are a lot more violent. The storylines are a lot more in-depth, descriptive. If you watch something like an SVU, where it's sexually orientated crimes. I mean, I think back to television growing up too, where you had like, the Fall Guy with Lee Majors and Heather Thomas was in it, and she was a big deal. Charlie's Angels with Farrah Fawcett, and she was the sex symbol of the show. Um, and you had all these other shows out there. And then, of course, you had the Dukes of Hazard with Daisy Duke, right? She was the creme de la creme of the sex symbol on TV. And now you're starting to see a lot more a lot more in-your-face programming when it comes to a sexualized world. 
And so it does. It affects you whether you think it or not. A lot of us might have become numb to it because we've been exposed to it so much. I think back to the Jordash ads. Look up Jordash jeans, 1979. Ads pop up of ladies topless. Now, they're not showing anything topless, but they're covered up, but they don't have a shirt on, and they're just showing the jeans. Or there might be men and women wearing just jeans only. I think recently Brooke Shields came out with an Instagram post or something where she's only wearing Jordache jeans, nothing else. And so you have that type of thing going on. Or what about the mainstream of people like Paris Hilton, Kim Kardashian, and these people coming out with sex tapes to promote themselves and try to become, I guess, pop culture icons. And then the video games and the anime, uh, anime things like that. And so it's, it's predominant in culture, and that's why we live in a hypersexualized world. And because of that, we start to view the world through that lens. I mean, think about it. Think about all the stuff that we see. It's going to affect us. And as we start the show, I want to play a clip of somebody. Her name is Andy Burns. I believe at the time of this clip, she's 13. Because as I do the math, she talks about an incident when she was eight, and it was five years ago. And so I believe she's 13 doing a TED Talk. And I want to play her story because you might not know anybody or consciously know of anybody that has suffered anything negative, so to speak, from a hypersexualized world. But there's a lot of stuff that goes on that we might think is innocent or we might think kids at a certain age are innocent and they don't understand. I mean, we get that all the time. You've got like bills in Florida that people are fighting over, teachers may or may not be teaching sex ed to kindergarten through third graders. We're not going to get into that. But it is on the forefront of American culture. Okay? And so here's a story for Andy Burns. Again, she's eight years old. And this is what she had to say that happened to her at a party, eight years old, end of school pool party. So take a listen. And then as the conversation goes on, you can kind of keep this in the back of your mind, this experience, because it is something that, affects everybody. For me and my experience, that consuming ache was really more overcome with a horror that I was realizing all of this about five years too late. You see, when I was eight years old, I went to a pool party to celebrate the end of the school year, start of the summer, everyone was really excited. As we were changing, I remember giggling to my friend about how silly I was to have forgotten a second pair of underwear because I'd come with my swimsuit under my dress. The two boys who were hosting must have overheard my comment because after the party was over, they proceeded to chase me around their house, pin me against a wall, and feel up my dress. On the ride home, I remember being too afraid to tell my parents. I remember thinking that I was going to get in trouble because in my head, I was the one who had engaged in a sexual activity that I was obviously way too young for. In my head, on the car ride home, I remember thinking about Princess Leia in Star Wars being held in chains by Jabba the Hutt. And in my head, that's what a woman in a sexual position or relationship was supposed to be. We were supposed to be held back and restrained, and we weren't really supposed to like it. 
It's taken me five years and hearing the words verbatim from my mother's mouth before I realized that it really wasn't my fault and that I hadn't done anything wrong. And yet, still to this day, I find myself in the shower rubbing my skin raw, trying to wash off the feeling of their hands. Now, that's as real as it gets, an eight-year-old being traumatized by sexual assault. I'm assuming the boys must be around eight, nine years old if they're in the same grade. She doesn't mention. But two boys chase her around, they pin her, and they sexually assault her. Now, that's bad. Some of you might excuse it as boys being boys, but that's not the case. A sexual assault occurred, but it goes beyond that. Did you hear when she talked about how she, as the victim, she felt she was at fault? Like she did something wrong. And it's taken her, at that moment, five years to understand the fact that she did nothing wrong. Now, somewhere along the line, these boys thought that was appropriate behavior, whether it's learned behavior, whether they saw it on some program or someplace. They had to find it someplace. They saw it or heard of it that it would be okay to do that because I don't think, I could be wrong, but I don't think an eight-year-old is naturally inclined to sexually assault somebody. So I'm sure there's more of a backstory to it, but that's what happened. And the victim feels at fault. She relates sexual activity to, at the time, Jabba the Hutt with Princess Leia in chains, something that's not too loving, something that's not too a partnership, so to speak, give and take, but the restraint in chains was her thought. And then she felt like that, that women were held back, they were restrained, that the man is dominant. And she's spending five years up to that point washing off the feeling of those hands on her body. That's pretty graphic for a 13-year-old to have to tell an audience about an experience. It's a sexualized media that's not so innocent, that's not so playful. We think it is, but it's really not. You know, we laugh off some of these things. We laugh off Maybe the adult humor that might be in shows oriented for younger people. We laugh off maybe some of the scenes that we might see in shows that might be catered toward younger people. Maybe we need to be more concerned about that. Or what about take this eight-year-old experience who's now 13 sharing the story and let's put it into somebody that's older. Is it any different? Should a 30-year-old be chased around by two guys pinned up against the wall and have their hands feel up the skirt? No. So it doesn't matter the age. Whether you're talking about someone eight years old, someone kindergarten or third grade, you have to ask the question, why is society obsessed with targeting young kids or people in general with sex? Well, naturally, when it comes to advertising, sex sells. And that's what apparently people put out there. That gratuitous sex scene. I mean, think about Top Gun. Top Gun, you have that scene. Was it really necessary? Probably not. 
Probably didn't need that in there. Had nothing to do with the movie. Sure, it shows the, I guess, attraction between the two characters. Between Tom Cruise's character and Kelly McGillis. But was it really necessary? Probably not. I remember back to when, I don't remember what year it was, but somehow uh, Lethal Weapon, the first one, came out. And I remember this was the first impact. In fact, there were two. First was the first episode of, or the first edition of the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. Remember Sports Illustrated? I had Sports Illustrated growing up when I was young, and it was all sports. I had the Sporty News magazine as well, and it was all sports. And then all of a sudden, this swimsuit magazine comes out. And so kids at school got it, and then they started posting it up, pictures in their locker, cutting out the magazines and posting up pictures in their locker of these women in bikinis, swimsuits, whatever. Administration came around, saw it, made everybody take it down. You can argue that, another point, but you can see the impact it has on young people because I think we were like in maybe 7th, 8th grade when that happened. And then when Lethal Weapon came out, there's the opening scene where the girl is topless and then she jumps off, Peter Pan's off a balcony, commits suicide, and that's the, the crime that then the police are going to investigate. But that was all the rage too. With all the young boys in school talking about it. And then years later, when I finally saw the movie, I understood what they were talking about because I never saw it at the time. Because movies weren't my thing back then. I was involved in so many other stuff. I didn't have time to just sit around and watch movies. But you can see the impact. Just from those two experiences for me, realize that, wow, this is something that's pretty powerful. It affects everybody. And then it affects the way we start to look at other people. The impact of a sexualized culture on young women. Here's Dr. Gail Dines talking about it, and she basically puts it out there that there is an impact. When you think about the images that surround us, especially in pop culture, you're looking at mainly young, thin, white, blonde women with you know technologically perfected bodies. And what happens is that young girls, especially as they're growing up and developing a sense of themselves, they begin to look to the culture for what does it mean to be female. And of course, what gets thrown at them are these images that are absolutely impossible to live up to. So what you're doing is you're creating a kind of body loathing for these girls. What does it do to them to think they're never good enough? Every image coming at them, from every billboard, from every screen, you walk down a street and there it is, an ad. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You need to improve yourself. Go out and spend money. And eventually what we found from studies is that girls internalize these images. It lowers their sense of self. It causes anxiety. It causes depression because they never get a chance to really look in the mirror and see themselves reflected back at themselves with any real truth. Now, there's a lot of things that we've talked about on the show before that she talks about. You talk about looking in the mirror. Do you see an honest reflection of yourself? We've talked about social media and how young girls look upon these images and these pictures and they don't feel adequate enough. And so it affects them. They go into depression. Suicide rates have increased. It's all out there. All the information's out there. You can do the research yourself. But she talks about, you know, a technologically enhanced picture, whether it be Photoshop or airbrushing or whatever, an expectation 
that young women and women in general can't reach. That perfected look. I've told this story before. I was teaching at a community college, radio broadcasting, and I went to a guest speak in a, another class and kind of promote the program and stuff. And afterwards, I was taking some questions and answers. And then this young girl comes up to me, probably 19 years old, maybe 18. And we start talking and she is into music, wants to be a singer. So I'm asking some questions and I finally asked her, you know, if she felt she was good enough. And she was kind of explaining to me that she didn't think she was going to be too successful, like maybe a uh, pop culture sensation. And I'm like, why don't you have the voice for it? You know, because maybe there's voice lessons and things like that, that you can work on. And she said, no, she was concerned that the tip of her nose and the kind of the tip of her top lip was disproportionate. And that was going to keep her from being, being a uh, successful singer and nothing to do with her voice, nothing to do with her singing. It was her look basically was what it came down to. And she was obsessed with that little area, what, maybe an inch, if that, half an inch. She was obsessed with that. Didn't think it looked right. And she wanted to have, you know, the look of whatever successful pop person is out there. You know, maybe Britney Spears at the time or, you know, there's Lady Gaga, whatever. That's what she thought success was. And so you look at it, and you got these young, thin, light-skinned, blonde-haired people, as the clip says, Dr. Gale talks about. You know, and women look to culture to find out what is truth, right? That's the other thing. We don't have honest communication with people, even young people, even old people. I mean, as people start to age, you get the wrinkles, and you have the oil of Olay or whatever commercials are on TV, and the truths or the serums, you know, that uh, will get the wrinkles out and things like that, you know? Eva Longoria promoting healthy skin stuff as you age to make you look younger, you know, fountain of youth type stuff. But we don't have honest communication. And so we get this false sense of what reality should be like. And so when you have this hypersexualized world, that's what you start to see. Women start to look at culture to see what is sexy. Men start to look at culture to see what is sexy. And then you get this, this distortion of what it means to be a female. And that's huge today. I mean, just look at TikTok, other social media influences. You've got people up there with who knows what their backstory is, who knows what their filters are. I saw a picture on social media, not sure which one, but I follow some people, you know, obviously. And so there's somebody that I was following, and they had their pictures and so forth, and, you know, attractive, beautiful uh, woman. And then all of a sudden, there was a video that she posted. And I looked at the video, and I'm like, I wonder who that is. Well, it turned out it was the person. And I don't mean to say that she was not attractive, but she looked completely different, a lot older. And I was like, oh, my goodness. She filters the heck out of her pictures. That didn't change me not following anything like that, but I was, like, shocked. I'm like, my goodness. It's a completely different person. So you've got women out there, social media influencers and people, filters galore. That's not a truth. That's not true womanhood of what people are like. And then guys, 
they start to judge based on looks. And then what happens if you showed up in person and you don't look like your pictures? You're judged for it. Body loathing. Not good enough. You get that from all these different places. Remember we talked about it last time? If you tell someone something long enough, it becomes a part of them. So if you tell women, last time we were talking about teachers telling students that you're good enough, you're good enough, you're good enough, because we were talking about that a lot of times. People will tell you you're not good enough. You're not going to amount to anything. Why did they even have you? You might as well go do this because you can't do that. You tell people something long enough, it becomes a part of them. And that's what a sexualized world does. It tells people what it should be in this fantasy world, not reality. And then we can't live up to that, and it causes all kinds of issues. If we take that hypersexualized world away and have a reality check, that's completely different. It's a completely different one. We're looking in the mirror. Are we seeing the fantasy? Are we seeing the reality? Are we seeing a vision of us that is created by all this outside influence or a true, genuine reflection of who we are? And when we don't see that true, genuine, or if we do see that true, genuine reflection, and it doesn't match all the other stuff that's being told how we should look, how we should feel, what we should engage in, Depression, anxiety, the lies, it all's there. And that becomes problematic. And especially when it comes to relationships, when it comes to people, talking to people, having that face-to-face communication, we don't have that anymore. Now we're looking online profiles for dating, and then you show up. I talked with somebody one time and they actually told me that they were dating online and they would make an arrangement to go and meet at this specific Starbucks and they requested, the lady requested that the guy would sit in this specific booth or seat or whatever. And basically what she would do is she would do a drive-by around the corner because it was in the window and then she could look in the window and see if the dude matched the picture and if not, She'd hightail it out of there, or if she didn't like what she saw, she'd hightail it out of there. And then the dude would be left sitting there. What kind of relationship are you going to have if that's what you're doing? If you're relying on an online thing, there's no face-to-face. We see that all the time, whether it be Twitter, whether it be online dating, whether it be Facebook and our political back and forth and stuff. Everybody sits behind a keyboard. And they pound away on that keyboard, and they're invincible, and they're whatever, top of the world. But when it comes to the one-on-one, the reality of it all, we fail. Look at all the billboards. Look at all the pictures. All the TV shows, all the commercials telling us, all the stuff on social media telling us how we should be like. And a lot of it's sexualized. You sit there and you have all these ladies on social media showing off their bodies. Others trying to emulate that. And then do those women actually think they're going to be respected for that? See, that's where the confusion comes in. Think about it. Women want to be, I don't know if you want to be sexualized per se, but you want to be good looking. You want to be sexy. You want to have the look, right? Jordash, you've got the look. I want to know better. But then we're told that we can't sexualize you or objectify you because we have to respect you for your brains, your brawn, your anything other than your looks. 
I mean, the TV business, how many times do you see a TV anchor, female TV anchor? They're all attractive for the most part, but then they just disappear. What happens? They just vanish. Maybe they got too old. Maybe their look isn't right. Something happens. It's not like, okay, goodbye, nice seeing you. They just vanish. So what are the consequences? So we've heard from one young lady telling us her story. And then Dr. Gale talking about the impact. So what are the consequences? The consequences of a hypersexual culture. Here's a Richard Winter, psychologist, telling us what those consequences might be. I think that when the culture is so uh, sexually oriented, we, we have so many images around us that are sexual in some way. Uh, and kids and uh, adults carry around on their cell phones pornography and sexts they've got from friends at school. And, um, so that everything becomes some sort of sexual interchange, exchange in relationships. So kids, are not, I think many young people find it difficult to make real relationships because they go into sexual relationships so quickly that it actually prevents them from having real relationships. Just as the internet, I think, and our um, social media culture is also making people unable to have real face-to-face -face life relationships. We talk through the media. Um, so I think it, that's one effect. I think it also makes people more selfish. Um, I, I want to get what I want it when I want it. Um, and it makes more people prone to immediate gratification, unable to delay gratification. So pornography especially, I can get my sexual needs met easily, you know, at the click of a button in front of my computer. So what are the consequences? Well, first off, we all have cell phones now. Like I mentioned earlier, if you wanted some sort of sexualized content, you usually had to leave the house, go to the mini-mart, go to, you know, um, the video store. And the video store would have, like, the curtained-off section, maybe in the back corner or something. And then maybe you had to go to some other establishment. Or then maybe you had to pay extra for a channel or two once a uh, Cable came out, you had to pay extra maybe to get that. Now it's right there on your phone. Whether you want it or not, it's right there on your phone. Things pop up. You ever wonder you talk about something and that's there? The advertisements are there? You're talking about a mattress and all of a sudden your phone is popping up mattress ads for no reason. You never punched it in, but you're talking about it and it pops up. Interesting. It's the same way with other sexualized content. And I'll tell you what, this is a perfect example. So most of my social media is just me kind of promoting the show, maybe posting some pictures. I really don't do a whole lot of stuff on there. I might post some things if I think it's interesting, but a lot of it's just kind of promoting and putting my stuff out there. So when TikTok came along, I got onto it pretty early, but I never was really doing it so much. And then all of a sudden the pandemic hit and everybody was on it, right? So I started out watching uh, videos of animals, which I thought were fascinating. Like there was a, a gal who was a, uh, a rehab. She rehabs animals, wild animals, and so she had a beaver. And so I was following her for a while. And then uh, I love pandas, watching pandas and chimps. Uh, so I, I just love wildlife. It's, I find it fascinating. I find it entertaining. Bulldogs, hilarious. And then, um, of course, there was another gal who has a, a, a tortoise. Um, 
And so I'd follow her. And then there was a guy down in Arizona that had like a million tortoises for some reason. And so I'd follow that. And so, you know, I was following a lot of animals. And then there was some uh, iPhone stuff, like things you should know about iPhones, iPhone hacks you should know about. So I started following that. And then I started following um, photography, some photography stuff. And those were the things that I would initially stop on. You know, you scroll through your For You page or the feed or whatever. But I would stop on those, and those were the ones that I would engage in, right? The idea is that once you engage in something, they're supposed to put more and more on there for you because the algorithms and stuff. And we talked about it in our social media uh, podcast episodes, how they look at what it is, and they gather that information of stuff that you're engaged with, and they try to feed you more. And your in your page and what you see is going to be different from what I see based on what interests us and all that. And so these are some of the things that I started out with. And then the next thing you know, let's say um, some guy comes on telling funny jokes. Or maybe there's a, a magician doing some card tricks. And then all of a sudden, my feed and stuff starts to change. Even though I'm not, I haven't stopped being interested in some of these other things. And all of a sudden, my iPhone hacks I need to know just disappear. And now other stuff is on there. So I've got the magicians and maybe some of the animals, but now I've got, for some reason, babies. You know, uh, moms of TikTok then. And then it goes from there. And all of a sudden, it's just a bunch of half-naked women dancing around promoting their OnlyFans sites or whatever. How did I get there? It's not content that I engage with. It just evolved. I go from a bulldog to the bulldog and the baby and pictures of bulldogs and the babies that pop up because I like bulldogs or dogs. And then it went from babies to moms. And now it's moms of TikTok, And that's how it worked. And all of a sudden everything, I didn't seek it out, but that's the hyper-sexualized world we live in. They feed it to you because I think that's what's going to keep you. And that's what's going to attract you. And so we have real relationships versus sexual relationships and they get merged. And right away, people are thinking it's a sexualized relationship. Ask any girl that dates online, any woman that dates online, and the pics they get, the inappropriate pics they get, maybe some of you like it, but that's the number one thing. They get turned off by inappropriate pics because guys automatically go to a sexualized relationship. Guys don't know how to build a healthy dating relationship. They go right to sex. Women supposedly talking about not wanting to be a part of one night stand. I think Tinder kind of promoted that one night stand, you know, online social uh, media dating or whatever it is. But that's how guys look at it. And so when you get that face-to-face relationship, it doesn't happen. We're looking for that selfish, immediate gratification. As if it wasn't hard enough, women, to uh, be the victim of a one night stand or being uh, objectified sexually. Now, all of a sudden, it's even more so. It affects kids and adults. It doesn't matter who you are. The images, the innuendos, if you're a minor, those provocative naked pictures or those scantily clad images, it's going to impress upon you a reality that doesn't exist. Those women, they don't want to be that way. Those girls don't want to be treated that way. Sure, there might be some that are out there that, pretend to do it all because that's what they see. But then here's the other thing. What about, and this is the biggest thing that I see with young people that I tried to share with them. Okay. You're a minor 
and maybe you're on social media or you have your cell phone or whatever, and you start sharing pictures with other minors. And so you get that girl to send you a provocative picture, whether it's a bikini or something more, whatever you guys are into. Well, now think about it. That image, and we've all read the stories, the news stories. So she sends the image because she wants to please the guy. Again, minors, right? Minors are safe, right? They think they're untouchable because they're minors. Well, now you're breaking the law without even thinking about it because now you're engaged in child pornography. So there's a lot of things out there that young people see, hear, read about. They want to emulate that in real life, and yet they don't realize that they could actually get in real trouble, and that's child pornography. If you are a young person, if you're anybody, doesn't matter, forget the young person. If you are anybody and you have an image, a sexualized image of somebody that's underage, it's child pornography. It doesn't matter what the excuse is. And people don't realize that because we don't have these conversations. We don't have real conversations with people. Here again is uh, the effects of sexualized media. Annie Burns, the gal that talked earlier about her experience at the age of eight. And she goes into kind of more detail of her experience and what she sees as the effects of a sexualized media. Now, certain sites on the internet are not the only places we see sexualized media. We can also find it in movies and music videos, billboards, even down to the clever titles that they put on the bottom of nail polish bottles. We live in an incredibly sexualized world. It's all over the place. Now, this is probably the point at which most of you are thinking, if it's everywhere, we see it all the time, and not all of us are raging monsters, is it really that bad? However, in reality, we find that sexualized media and pornography without, and here's the key part, without representation or proper education can be incredibly harmful and detrimental to our physical and mental health, especially those of us who are too young to really know the difference. Now, for those of us in the room who have experienced sexual assault, we all know and remember the consuming ache that overcomes you when you realize you're not really being seen as a fellow human being. I think that's such a powerful statement that she talks about. All those things. I mean, movies, music videos, although I'm not sure we do music videos much. Remember the old MTV music television? MTV was music television, then it became reality TV. I haven't watched MTV in years, so I don't even know what's on there anymore. I think last I heard it was, what, like pregnant and 16, and so we're like glorifying 16-year-olds who were uh, knocked up, which, again, in a lot of states, that's statutory rape, people. MTV's glorifying it, 16 and pregnant. A bunch of people want to go out and get pregnant at 16 because they see it on TV and it's really cool, but they don't realize that it's statutory rape. A lot of states, it's 18. Some it's 16, but lots 18. It's like, what are we doing? Glorifying crime. But the billboards, nail polish. I didn't realize this. I don't know anything about nail polish, but I've got to start checking out the bottom of nail polishes to find out what these provocative uh, titles are. So it's even in nail polish. But you take the 
all the stuff that's going on and you normalize it. Like she said, oh, so we're not monsters, but it's there all the time. So what's the big deal? We've normalized it. We've normalized these effects of a sexualized medium. We don't even realize it. We don't realize the impact. We don't realize the eight-year-olds being sexually assaulted at a swim party. We don't think about it. And then when it does happen, we probably dismiss it because, no, that didn't really happen. She had to be making it up. She's eight years old. And then she spends the next five years and probably even to this day wiping off or, like, scrubbing the feel of those hands off her body in the shower. And I like what she says. Without education, without the context of it all, people don't know what's going on. The fantasy versus the reality. The the effects are harmful and hurtful. The mind can't comprehend. That's why parents are concerned in this day and age about people and what they're telling and teaching their kids in school. Because the mind can't comprehend what's going on. Just like she felt like she was the one that did something wrong. That's what happens a lot of times. I mean, you could go and sit and listen to any story in Hollywood. It doesn't have to be female. You could listen to, was it Corey Feldman? I think he's the one that's still alive. His story. Corey Haim, if you can find something on him and what they went through. And, of course, all those ladies that went through the Me Too movement and Harvey Weinstein. And how a lot of them just took it for whatever reason. And they felt like they were the ones that did wrong. The victim is at fault. And we do do that. We we. Look at the political world. The victims of these high-powered people are the ones that you crucify. We believe all women. No, you don't. And that's a fact. And then what happens? You lose identity. You lose a loss of self, loss of worth. And like she says, the object. You're the object and not a person. You're the object to be sexualized. You're the object to be degraded. You're the object for instant gratification, and you're not a person. The person has left, and it's everywhere. And it's getting worse and worse because we're allowing. And again, it goes back to the context. Again, if you're an adult, a lot of adults really don't understand or can't deal with a hypersexualized world. They don't have the brain power. But without context, without training, without knowing what exactly is going on. People see things in the movies and they think that's real. It's not. Any movie, take any movie, that's not real. But then you get into the sexualized world and the stuff that goes on. And people think that's real. It's not. And you think that you might not be or your kids might not be and you kind of dismiss it, right? No, not me, not my household, not us. Well, here's Dr. Gale again talking about the not my kid. We all want to think that our kids are not looking at porn. And I, I perfectly understand that desire to think not my kid. What we know from study after study without question, if you have a son, then you should assume, especially by the age of around 13 or 14, that he has looked at porn. Whether he has chosen to look at porn or it's come at him through Pornhub, Snapchat, Instagram. And I think what a lot of people don't get is that mainstream is hardcore. We were recently in a classroom with a group of seventh graders and the question that all the boys had was, is it true that girls really like to be tied up? The reason we think about 
pornography and hypersexualized media as a public health crisis is that it is not an individual problem. It is a societal problem. Asking a parent to prevent their kid from seeing porn is like asking a parent to prevent their kid from breathing polluted air. It's just not possible given how pervasive hypersexualized media and pornography are today. What we know from studies and from speaking to young people is that pornography has now become the major form of sex ed in the Western world. Another thing that the, the porn culture is teaching them is um, that aggressive forms of sexual behavior towards girls and women is completely normal. Like it's not criminal, it's not even problematic. So again, if someone has a phone, they've been exposed to it. I personally believe that young people shouldn't have smartphones, shouldn't have social media. All the stuff that I've done for the research on the different podcast episodes for this show, it's harmful. It's dangerous. Sometimes it can be harmful and dangerous for adults. But if you've got a cell phone, you've seen sexualized material. A lot of it can be hardcore. I mean, think about it. The lady said that boys come up to her. Asking, do girls really like to be tied up? That's the, that's the reality that these guys see. These boys see the reality of girls being tied up. Do they really like that? Imagine what other things they think are reality or are real to them. And if not properly taught, not properly educated, first off, probably shouldn't be seeing it. But if they're not giving context, like, hey, that's just a movie or acting or whatever, that's not really how it is, that's where they're going to, think reality is it's sad to think that the number one sex education outlet or tool or resource is a pornography how unrealistic is that i don't know of any woman that i've ever talked to that would engage in the extremes that you see there might be a few out there that I've come across that I might not know. Maybe they didn't share their full story, but that would engage in a lot of that stuff that goes on. Women don't do that. Not a lot of it. Now, there might be varying degrees. And again, if you're an adult, consenting adult, doing legal things, knock yourself out. This isn't censorship. This isn't telling you to be a prude, but this is the realities of living in a hypersexualized world. Eight-year-olds being sexually assaulted at a swim party. Young boys asking if women like to be tied up. Having a cell phone. You've seen sexualized material. The reality versus the fantasy and how that skews our perception of what it is. And it affects us. And women and others, guys too, they can get into depressed situations. They can um, have anxiety and stress. I mean, there's a whole thing now, guys. What is it? Dad bods versus like six-pack abs or something. I got a keg. I worked hard for my keg. I ain't losing it. I invested a lot in it. But then you have these aggressive forms of sexual behavior towards women. That's not okay. In fact, some of it could be criminal. Guys don't understand that. Think of a frat party on a Friday night and all the lives that are destroyed at these college parties because guys think that this is okay. They're being encouraged by other guys. I remember high school, guys would talk about things that we didn't know what we were talking about. And then years later, you grow up and realize, man, you're full of crap. It's gotten to the point where does no really mean no? Here's Gina Davis talking about the hypersexuality in television 
and movies aimed for kids. And again, this is Gina Davis. She was in the uh, business of Hollywood. So what was really disturbing is that we found a lot of hypersexuality of the female characters in uh, even television and movies aimed at little kids. For example, in G-rated animated films, the female characters wear the same amount of sexually revealing clothing as the female characters in R-rated movies, which is pretty horrifying. I mean, what are we putting that much uh, sexuality and, you know, hypersexuality uh, into things aimed at the littlest kids for? There was research that just uh, came out that showed that girls as young as six years old have started to self-sexualize. In other words, they have started seeing themselves through the male gaze and realizing that they need to be sexy in order to be appreciated at six years old. And this is a a very new development. We knew that women and uh, teenage girls were doing that. So clearly the culture is sending a very negative message to girls and to boys about girls when the female characters are constantly shown in this uh, sexy light. I mean, think about that. Girls as young as six years old now starting to self-sexualize. Movies and TV shows geared toward younger people, the same amount of sexualized dress on characters, female characters, as in uh, TV shows and content geared towards adults. We're aiming this thing at the littlest of kids. So what messages is culture and pop culture and society trying to send to girls? We've talked about it. TikTok, social media, targets young women, suicide, depression rates go up. Think about this. We try to keep the boogeyman outside, right? The bad guys outside. We don't want them coming in. We think about John Benet. Ramsey, still an unsolved case. Someone supposedly came in from the outside, kidnapped her, killed her. Tragic story. But now we've got the creepers inside the bedroom already. The monster is no longer under the bed. It's in the hands of the child. The monster is no longer in the closet. It's in the hands of the child because they've got that phone. And so they're in the bedroom at night, scrolling through social media, scrolling through whatever it is that they happen to be scrolling on. And we think that, no, our kid's innocent. No, kids don't know. You know what I do? If I go to a new place, let's say it's a school, maybe I go to a a different school, never been there before, I sub, I want to get on Wi-Fi. The first thing I'm going to do to get the password is ask the kids. Kids know the Wi-Fi. They know the password. They know. And so, again, why are we gearing some of this content towards the younger generation? The magazines, the advertising, the social media, it's all geared for it. There was a um, something I wrote down. I read it somewhere. I don't really remember it, but I think it was an interview on a site somewhere about they were interviewing someone who makes adult material a female performer. And she said that society is teaching young girls to hypersexualize and pornify themselves. That was her thought. The girls come to the set, okay? So I guess these newbies that want to be porn stars, they come to the set porn ready, she says. 
Because social media, advertisement, movies, TVs, etc. Society teaching young girls to hypersexualize and pornify themselves. Imagine that. The unrealistic perfect body. The impact it has on girls. Guys will look at girls with e- and girls will prepare themselves with either the come take me look, the bedroom eyes, or you're invisible. That seems to be the two options that girls are getting. You're either I'm attractive, come get me, or you're just invisible. And each year the average age of kids viewing porn for the first time is getting younger. Human sexuality is a powerful thing. It's a powerful force. There's a lot put into it. Like I said, this conversation could probably be a whole series. And I ask you this, if anything good comes from porn, what is it? I'd like you to send me a message, an email, two steps ahead podcast at gmail.com, T-W-O, two steps ahead podcast, gmail.com. Tell me one good thing that comes from porn. You've also heard sex is a drug, has the ability to alter chemical responses in the body. How do you combat that? How do you combat this sexualized world? Well, the first thing, if we're going to attempt to do it, is turn off. Turn things off, first of all. But then we have to look at ourselves and have self-worth. Don't let anyone treat us less than who we are. Tell ourselves and tell others, we're worth it. You're worth it. I'm worth it. We're worth it. The more we tell, the more it becomes a part of us. We need to talk to kids. We can't let porn be the number one resource for sex education. We need to tell them. Parents need to tell them. Adults, maybe overseeing kids, like if you are a foster parent, perhaps, something like that, you kind of get on sketchy ground. There's a lot of sex ed in school, but maybe we should keep it for high school, not K through three, as everyone's fighting about now. Maybe we should restrict access. Does a kid really need a smartphone? I've been asking that for a long time. Does an 8, 9, 10-year-old really need a smartphone, iPhone, seriously? And definitely no social media. Cut that off. Even the parental controls, kids know how to navigate and circumvent that. We should get involved in positive groups, positive environments. Focus the, the kids' attention. Don't let them sit in the room by themselves for hours on end. Get them out of the room. Get them engaged. Communicate. Talk to your kids. Holy cow, what a concept. Talk to kids. Be a parent. Be an adult. Don't try to necessarily instill and indoctrinate, but just give them the honest, the truth, the reality of it all. If you give them the reality of of, of what it is, the reality of it, they have a better perspective on things. Do women, girls like to be tied up? Hell no. Unless maybe they're getting paid for it and maybe a few others out there. But in reality, no. On the whole, no. They want to be respected. They want to be viewed as an equal. They want to be respected for their mind, for their intellect, for their abilities. And then maybe as you get into a relationship, then maybe you do all that other stuff. Then maybe they want to be tied up and all that other stuff. Again, consenting adults doing legal behavior, knock yourself out. Just don't Put it in front of the kids. Teach and model what is appropriate behavior. Correct that inappropriate behavior. And then men, you need to step up. Men need to step up and be the example. Need to show the way. Because 
That's what society calls for. It calls for men stepping up because oftentimes men are the violators. Sure, there's women out there, but men, you need to learn how to treat women right. You need to be able to sit there and have the ability to have face-to-face conversations, not try to take what you see on your phone or your computer screen or whatever into real life and realize that there's a reality out there and expectations in that reality. And then if you want a fantasy world and you find someone, a partner, that's into that, maybe that's a bonus for you. Knock yourself out. Consenting adults doing consenting things that are legal, knock yourself out. But keep in mind that a hypersexualized world affects everybody if we don't control it, if we don't limit it, if we let it get the best of us. And if that's the case, then we can't bring out our inner greatness. We can't raise the standard. We can't inspire and motivate others to be great because we're too busy tearing down. This is Two Steps Head Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, and let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Like I said, you can email me at uh, two steps ahead podcast at gmail.com, T-W-O. If you want to uh, find out more about the show, you can go to RadioWarp.com. That's Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com, and you can watch past episodes. You can uh, download from our SoundCloud account past episodes and take it with you on the go. In fact, you can subscribe to our YouTube and SoundCloud, and then you'll never miss an episode. You can check us out on Instagram. We've got complete family-friendly content on Instagram at TWO, Two Steps Head Podcast, as well as my personal page, Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. And again, there's a link tree link in the bios of both sites. You can click on it. It brings up some options. Brings up options like our SoundCloud, YouTube, Radio Warp. It also brings up our merchandise or swag shop so you can get some cool hats. Or maybe if you like a polo or T-shirt or some other swag, drinkware. There's all different kinds of things there. And then if you wouldn't mind uh, telling a friend, letting them know about it, spreading the word. That would be greatly appreciated as we try to get the message out there of, Raising the standard, bringing out our inner greatness, being an inspiration and a motivation to others to do that and tackle some of the harder topics that come our way. And again, we do it, we try to do it at least from a non-political. Yeah, sometimes politics plays into it because that's the, the culture of the day. But we try not to be too political when it comes to our conversations and be real. And maybe this is an opportunity to spread this type of conversation with others, have this conversation with others because a hyper-sexualized world affects everybody. And if we don't control it, like the gal said, if we don't have context, if we don't have an education about it, if we don't have an understanding, some people, their minds can't comprehend it at this time. So we have to have context in everything that we do, everything that we say when it comes to a hyper-sexualized world. And we have to protect the young and the innocent. And again, if you're an adult, consenting adult, doing legal activity and everybody is involved and okay with it, knock yourself out. That's your choice. Two Steps Ed Podcast. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.